You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. We're reading from John 3, verses 1 through 8 today. You must be born again. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Wade. We're in this series on encounters, and this is a, a, a unique encounter that we find here in the story that uh, has just been read to you. Um, sometimes, have you, ever, have you ever been in a restaurant and, and you're sitting there at the table, and all of a sudden you realize that you're listening to the people at the table next to you more than you're listening to the people at your table? And all of a sudden you kind of like get hooked in to their conversation? You know, and so you're trying to not be obvious and you're trying to listen to the people that are talking to you, but there is an ear that is, it's just over there, like it is on their table and you are listening and you're even forming impressions or opinions or deriving answers in your own head for whatever is going on at that other table, you know. We, we do that kind of thing. Well, this is interesting because today, and, and in each of these encounters, we sort of get to do that. We kind of be on the outside, but we get to listen to this encounter, uh, this conversation that is going on, uh, and we get to kind of formulate opinions, ideas, answers, whatever about it. I hope that as you are listening to this conversation today, that you become very informed about what Jesus is speaking to you and I uh, in our own context today, all right? These, these encounters, these conversations, if you will, with individuals and Jesus really speak to us. They can really mean a lot to us. And so I, I want to I make sure that we understand that there is something speaking not only to, to Nicodemus and to his context and his situation, but something here is really speaking to us. Just as Pastor Dave's message last week, there were things that really spoke to us as a congregation, as Life Church, but also very much to you and I as individuals. And so we want to understand that in this series, we're very much wanting you to connect with Jesus, all right? We're very much wanting you to let Jesus speak to your own heart through these different encounters and these different uh, conversations. Um, back in 1962, there was a book written by Thomas Kuhn, and a uh, very influential book. It was called called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. Now, for a lot of you, you're going, I have no desire to know what that is all about. Um, and I totally get that. I absolutely totally get that, all right? But, but the importance of that book is that it introduced a phrase. And it's a phrase that took off. I mean, like, it really, really took off. And uh, the phrase is paradigm shift. 
All right? No one knew that phrase prior to him writing the book. But as soon as he wrote the book, the, the phrase kind of took off. And then it started to be used in other contexts besides uh, the one uh, within his, his book. Um, and what it really means is it's, it's, a, it's a shift from one way of thinking or one type of view, if you will. Uh, it, it moves you away from thinking one particular way to totally thinking differently than what you were thinking. And the amazing thing about that is if we are entrenched in a way of thinking, if we have a particular kind of view or belief about something, and we've built life around that, we've held on to that, all right, then when the shift comes, it can be absolutely devastating. It can, it can go so far as to invalidate us. If, if everything that we put about our lives and our identity is on a belief system and then suddenly we are called out to believe differently than what we believed, when that happens, chaos sets in very quickly. All right? We become very disturbed. We have dis-ease, if you will, uh, because everything is being sort of turned upside down on us and we have to rethink everything. All right, And I think that that's what's happening here with uh, Nicodemus is that he is coming to Jesus in the night here um, and, and John describes Nicodemus here as a Pharisee. All right? Now, sad to say, in my opinion, uh, some of the Pharisees are, uh, in, in many ways are the, the victims of bad press. Uh, we say Pharisee or we say Sadducee and immediately we just think bad. You know, we, we, think, we think of them almost as evil. You know, and, and Jesus did confront them, and Jesus did call them out, all right? And, and, we, and we understand that. But, but a lot of what the Pharisees were about was not them being these sort of sourpusses and spiritual killjoys that we all think that they are or that they have sometimes been depicted to be. Um, but, but the Pharisees, honestly, more than anything else, were people who... I think deep down really desired to lead lives that were pleasing to God. They wanted to live this life of, of genuine faithfulness and, and loyalty and diligence to God, all right? Um, they were consistent. Uh, they were determined. They, they wanted to follow these laws that were laid down in the Old Testament. They were moral people in a lot of sense. They, they, they were upright people in a lot of ways. Many of them were, were very genuine in their heart to, to follow God to the letter of the law and to live it out in a very diligent way. All right? Um, but this became this, this system for them, if you will. So it was more than just going to the synagogue uh, on the proper occasions. It's more than, than tithing. Uh, it, be, it was a system that said, if I do this... I will be with God. A system that said, this is what will take care of me. This is what will save me if I do these things. So a lot of times the Pharisees in, in, in every respect were model citizens. They would probably be the guy you wanted to be your neighbor. All right? Um, and, and John says not only that, that he was a Pharisee, but that he was also a religious leader inside of the Pharisees. So he was very likely a part of the, the Sanhedrin, meaning that he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a ruler among the Jews, okay? And so this, this means that this man is very influential. This man has a lot of authority. This man has a tremendous, prominent, and influential role in the life 
of Jerusalem, in, in the life of, of, of all of the, the Jews themselves, and he is approaching Jesus. And folks, he was not in bad company either. Not everyone who approached Jesus was a broken or unhealed or afflicted individual. And we need to understand that. Jesus didn't just come for the down and out person. Jesus came for the person who had need. And even the Pharisee had need. A centurion came to Jesus. A, a royal official, the Bible says, came to Jesus. Lazarus of Bethany came to Jesus. An anonymous rich young ruler came to Jesus. Jairus of the synagogue came to Jesus. Simon the Pharisee came to Jesus. Nicodemus is not alone in being a prestigious and influential person and a person who was trying to serve God and came to Jesus. But it's interesting that this man, the Bible says, came by night. On an evening in the shadows of darkness, John tells us that Nicodemus came. Now, I think that's important in John's writings because because night and darkness are very significant words to John's gospel. In the opening chapter uh, of the gospel, John first tells us that, that Jesus, and he describes Jesus as the Word. Jesus is the eternal Word. And he says about this, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And then Jesus proclaims himself a little later on. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think you, you can't dismiss that. You can't dismiss this, this fact that John says about Nicodemus, he came in the night. He came in a place where he would not be so quickly noticed. He came in a place where in the shadows he would be somewhat hidden, if you will. All right? And... and to, to give him the benefit of the doubt, for the, for the Pharisees, it was often a time in the, in the early evening, in the dark hours of the early evening, for them to seek understanding and to study and to, to give themselves diligently to growing uh, in knowing God. And so this wouldn't be an unusual time necessarily for him to come and to seek out Jesus. Yet there seems to be something significant here about this man as a Pharisee, as, a, as an influential man, as a man of reputation, as a man of being known, that he somehow in, in, a, in a covert and, and more secretive kind of way, he seeks out Jesus. But he has questions for him. I think he didn't want to be seen. I think he, he wants to meet Jesus here. And I think that he really wants an answer to something that's sort of eating at him. This man has spent his whole life in a system, in a belief system that if he will just do it right, if he will do it good, if he will give it his best, if he will follow the law, he's got it made. He's going to be all right. And suddenly, this man, Jesus, comes along. This is going to be a two-part series inside of a series. And next week, I'm going to parse this out more and break this out for you. But he comes along at a place where Jesus has been speaking. 
And oftentimes speaking to Pharisees, speaking to religious leaders, speaking to knowledgeable people. And, and Jesus throughout his short ministry here has been laying out some very foundational things as he's going along. And surely this man Nicodemus has been listening. He's been hearing these words of Jesus and seeing these things that have been happening and yet, at the same time, he has stayed in the background. And I, I would ask you and I, where are we today? How do we approach Jesus? How do we look at Jesus? Do we have a system that we have sort of created ourselves that, that is based on our own works, our own abilities, our own accomplishments, the way we do things, the way we think, the way we believe, whereby we have sort of built this pseudo-salvation if I just do this, if I just keep going after this, if I keep working hard, I'm going to be all right. And are we still back there in the shadows, not fully alive? Because yet we've not done as Jesus speaks to Nicodemus when he says to him in a few moments, you must be born again. This is an interesting place that Nicodemus finds himself here face to face with Jesus and he does something amazing here. He gives such honor and such like, like uh, almost like reverence to Jesus. He, said, he calls him rabbi. Calls him rabbi. Calls him a man of education, a man of teaching, a, a, a man of intellect. And yet Jesus is uneducated in that sense in some ways Un unlearned like a Pharisee and he says to him you're the, you're the teacher and he says Father not only are you a teacher but I believe you've come from God I, I believe I believe something's happening and for a man who has built his whole life on a particular belief system and then this man comes who is performing miracles and signs and wonders and who is preaching a different message. This has to turn him upside down. This has to, to shake him up. This has to move him a bit, if you will. All right? And so in this place of the night, in this shadow of darkness, he comes to him with, with questions. But he starts out by just saying, you're, you're a rabbi. Not in the, 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 the regular sense of the word, but... You've got to be a teacher from God. No one can do what you do and not be from God. You don't fit my system. You don't, you don't come in the way we come. You don't do things the way we do them. But you have to be from God. Because no one could do what you do and not be from God. The tragedy is that, that throughout the ages right to this present day, right to you and I here in, in Life Church, there have been many Nicodemuses along the way. Men and, and women who respect Jesus, who admire him, yet for fear or for some reason, they, they find themselves unable to step out into the light, you know, to fully embrace Christ and to fully embrace faith in Jesus alone to save them. I'm sure that for Nicodemus, this was quite hard. I've done all this work, and now you're telling me that either it doesn't matter or it doesn't work or something. And Jesus 
does exactly that. He looks at Nicodemus here and he says, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And this is where the paradigm starts to shake. This is where the earthquake comes in. Because there was a before and now there's an after. I had this system. I had it in place. It was working for me. It made sense to me. I was comfortable with this. I was doing it. Like I worked hard for this system. And now you're telling me that I have to be born again. In other words, everything I've done doesn't work anymore. And so now I'm living in this place where I'm going to have to shift if I believe you. If what you're saying is true, it's going to require a shift for me. And I think many times for you and I, that's exactly what Jesus does. He comes. In our lives that are, that are lived in the shadows, where some things can be hidden, or at least not brought into the light, we live there, and we create this pseudo-salvation, if you will. And we, we live as though we are born again, and yet we are not. And so God, by His Spirit, calls us to live in the light. And there at that moment is the, is, the, is the great shift that has to take place. Will we? Will we step out of the light? It's interesting. Some people say that Nicodemus never stepped out. Even though he was seen on two other occasions after this encounter, one of them after the death of, of Jesus, and, and, and he uh, followed Joseph uh, when they took the body and he, he carried ointments for the, for the body, he was, he was there in that place. Uh, but he seems to be in the shadows of someone else even there. Uh, whereas Peter, on the other hand, in the dark of the night, just, just discounts Jesus altogether, denies him three times. But when we see Peter later, Peter is in the light. Peter has come out and he has repented and he has... has the Lord and he has dealt with each other together and, and he has renewed his allegiance, his loyalty, his love for, for Jesus and, and Jesus has received him back and restored him and, and is sending him forth. And so there's this sense of publicly he has come out uh, to, to serve and be faithful and, and to preach and to proclaim the gospel. <clears throat> How many of us live our lives like that? How many of us are in a system where we confidently know that we are saved and we know that it doesn't rely on anything that we can do on our own and we live in that freedom and we live in that life and so we are very public and passionate and intentional about following Christ and serving Christ and being faithful to Christ? Or are we still in the shadows because something is not complete we're not living out of that reality of what Jesus alone has done for us. And so Jesus says to, to Nicodemus, he says, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, like, wait a minute, that doesn't even make sense. This doesn't make sense to me. You mean I've got to go back into the womb and I've got to be born again? And Jesus says, he, he doesn't recant, he doesn't back up. Nicodemus, you've got to be born of both water and spirit to be a follower, to be in the kingdom. 
In other words, you've got to be born from above. You're born here, but you've got to be born from above. In other words, there's a work that has to be done. But here's the thing. You can't do that work. You can't save yourself. That's the dis-ease. That's the moment right there. All right? What? <laughs> my, my whole life I've been saving myself. My whole life I've been doing this. And I've done it well. Do you understand how influential I am? Do you understand positionally where I am? I'm at the top of the top. What are you telling me? That all of that's for nothing? Jesus says, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, it's not a work you can do. You can't take it. You can't take credit for it. You can't get the glory for it. So you can't do it. I've done it. In, in Nicodemus's case, Jesus is really saying, I'm about to do the work that is going to save you. And when I finish the full work, it's done. But you're going to have to be saved, not by your own doing, but the work of the cross, my work. I wonder how many times you have done something for God, but you did not do it in the rest of your position in Christ. You did it to find that rest or that position in Christ. And so it became a work. It became a way of you trying to get from God what God has already given to you. And so when we are in that place where we continue to try to build our salvation or develop our salvation or create our salvation or give ourselves our salvation... We are in essence saying the work of the cross is not enough or it's not good. And this is the simple and honest question that Nicodemus is asking. Isn't what I've been doing good enough? I did everything I was told to do. I did it all. I, I, I tried to do it my best and I did it well. But Jesus is saying to him, if, if you look at the language, literally, he's saying, amen, amen. In other words, yes, you did. You did it. You did all of that. And what I'm saying to you, having done all that, you must be born again. We're not here in, in any way trying to invalidate your works. We're not here trying to say that what you're doing is not good. We're not here trying to say that, that you shouldn't continue to do the good works that you are doing. But why are you doing them? And ultimately, what is your condition in relationship to Christ? And what is the motive of what we do? And so Jesus speaks to this man differently than what Nicodemus's intentions or desires are. Nicodemus comes in the night with a question. He says, I know you're a rabbi, and I know you're from God. You couldn't do what you're doing if you weren't from God. And it seems like that Nicodemus almost like stops there because he doesn't really know how to ask the questions or, or what he, maybe even the questions should be. And he's just, he's like, he's there. And Jesus then takes the next step and says, Nicodemus, 
You've got to be born again. Jesus isn't answering his question, yes, I'm, I'm from God. Our God is with me. I think if Jesus had been honest, it would have really blown Nicodemus away because what Jesus would have had to say was, Nicodemus, I am God. I am God. This is why I can do what I do. I am God. But he says, Nicodemus, I want to talk to your heart, not to your head. And I want to bring them together. Nicodemus, you got to be born again. This is, this is where we have to come as God's people. We have to begin to understand what it really means to be born again. How, how do you understand that? How do you live that out? Nicodemus goes right back up into to some logical place and, and talks about some literal thing here of being born again through the mother's womb. And Jesus says, no, Nick, it's, it's, not, it's not about an earthly thing. It's about a heavenly thing. It's about a spiritual thing. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. And until then, you're not a part of the kingdom of God. And that's a huge, huge revelation that that he makes here all right so he shifts he, he shifts this this mystery uh to to something way more profound here right um and it's not about so much of where you're coming from as to where you are going if you will all right and he's saying you nicodemus you've got to let the spirit blow on you you've got to you've got to let the the father of heaven just take you and, and draw you in. And you don't pay for that. You don't earn that. You don't perform for that. You, you don't barter for that. I mean, there's, there's no way for you to start that process. There's no way for you to do that. It's freely given. And it comes from the, the Father. And so you have to be able to make this shift now, my friend, you got to see not only differently, but now you have to respond differently. And here's what I want you to understand, Nicodemus. You don't have to work for this. This is out of love. We're going to talk about that more next week, okay? But this is out of love that you have this born-again experience, that you have this, this deep, abiding relationship, that you have this identity, all right? So when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, and my friend, for, for me, this is speaking to me. I'll just tell you, this is, I, I love this particular encounter because it speaks to me. It speaks to the heart of who I am as an individual. This conversation is not unlike a conversation I had in my early 20s. Uh, this, is a, this is a powerful, powerful exchange here because he is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, in, in absolute truth, I'm telling you that no one, no matter how much they have done or how good they have been, can see the kingdom of God without being born again. And I'm going to tell you what, it was on those words that I, that I realized that, you know what, I can't make this happen. I was one of the most arrogant, independent individuals on the face of the earth in my early 20s. 
I did not like government. I did not like structure. I did not like rules or regulations. What I loved was long hair, good music, whiskey, and a few other things. I loved my identity because I was the proverbial hippie. So I was free reign, unconforming, rule bashing, authority fighting, all of that stuff. But I was convinced in my own heart that my salvation was up to me. I wasn't living a good Baptist life, but I was still born a good Baptist because I had a mama who set me down about every other week and said, there's two things that you'll never change, boy. One is being a boy. And the other is being a Baptist. <laughs> That's how I grew up. So couldn't just get away, trying to get away from it. But I created for myself some kind of pseudo-religion. And it's like, you know what? Me and Jesus, we're going to work it all out. There used to be a song, a ballad about that. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. It's the only song I knew back then, okay? But I had that one down because I was determined that I charted my course with God. Did you hear that? I chart my course. And in essence, this is what our good man, faithful man, Nicodemus had done. He had charted his course with God based on rules and regulations and laws and all of these things and relationships and community and all of these things. And so I told everybody I was all right. Almost every week, once a week, it's a little old man. He was a Nazarene. And he would come through the dorms of the university I was attending. And he would, he would just try to talk to us about Jesus. And every week, I put him off. And I said, hey, I'm good. You don't need to worry about me. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going on. And he would just look at me. And I would, I would close the door. It's horrible. He never gave up. And I, I'm certain he prayed for me week after week after week. And he'll never know it on this side of heaven, but the day came when I realized that I couldn't do it anymore. And the Spirit blew through my heart and my head, and I realized that I couldn't make my salvation. I would begin to read these words and I began with a little help from the Spirit to understand what was being said. And I realized that no matter what I did, I needed to be born again. And there I knelt and, and asked Jesus to give me this birth. And that's been an ongoing life since that time. But my friend, every one of us must have this kind of exchange, this kind of encounter with Jesus where you are called out to look at all that you have done and why you have done it. And you must hear these words that you must be born again. And next Sunday we're going to talk about what it looks like on the other side of that born again. What it means to, to live as the Spirit leads us.
But here's what I want to leave you with today. And this is true for all of these messages on the encounters. We want very much for you to, 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 to be face-to-face, in a sense, spiritually speaking, with Jesus. We want you to, to encounter him. But in this particular message today, I want to ask you, are you born again? Have you tried to save yourself? Have you spent your life in the church, perhaps? Have you just been trying to do it? And have all your works and all your efforts been in the hopes that Jesus will finally love you, that you'll feel that place of being loved, that you'll feel accepted? Are you building a system based on your own insecurities or fears or, or whatever? Or have you had that moment with Jesus and you are indeed born again? That's where we have to be. That's where you have to come to. And so if that's new to you, then today you can have that. You see, the beauty is we're on the other side of this story. Nicodemus wasn't. This, this was such a shift for Nicodemus. Jesus is talking about the the before and the after, but the after hasn't fully come yet. And so this is a real challenge spiritually for for Nicodemus to understand and, and to see this. You and I are living on the other side of the cross. And my friend, if you don't get anything else I said today, get this. Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. And Jesus did it for you so you wouldn't have to keep trying to do it. You don't have to work for it. You just work it out. And so we live in that place of of working it out. The Bible promises that you will be saved. The Bible also promises that in Christ you are saved. And the Bible also promises that you will continue to be saved. And so when we are born again, we then shift. It's a dramatic shift, but it's a place of rest. The work of repentance is a work that brings forth the fruit of resting, peace with God. And in that rest, we don't have to work for our salvation. We do works out of commitment. And so where are you today? Where, where have you been sitting? Have you been trying to build something that would, in essence, be your own kingdom? If so, then the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here for you. Have you been just trying to, to make payments through effort? If so, today you can just get, a, a spiritually speaking, a piece of paper stamped, paid in full. It's done. You don't have to work anymore. And so let's shift. If, if you haven't done that yet, today is your day. You see, Jesus went to the cross for you, for that, that you could be born again. And the beauty is that he went into the earth And three days later, he rose in newness of life. 
And today, if you've been in the shadows, if you've been in the dark, if you've been in the grave, so to speak, today you can have that experience of new life. You can be born again through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the, the prayer team to come up and stand at the front. You can make this public if you want to and come up, or if you just need prayer, you can come up and be prayed for. Um, you can do this right where you are. You can do this alone. You can do this with somebody. If there's someone in the congregation that you know and you trust deeply, you can just go to them and say, hey, I've been doing this for years, and everybody thinks I'm a Christian. I thought I was a Christian. Today I realize I'm not. I need to be born again. Let someone pray with you. All right? Let's, let's do this together with each other. And so if you need Jesus today, he's here. He's here to save you. You can be born again. If you're feeling like, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe a lot of what I've been doing is stuff that I was trying to earn God's good pleasure. I was trying to earn his love. I was trying to earn his acceptance. And I realized that. And I want to I put that behind me. And I want a fresh start. Today's your day. You can do that. Come and let someone pray with you today and have that, that moment in time where there's a fresh start or a fresh commitment. I'm going to pray for you. And then those of you who will stay for a few minutes, just reflect. Are you born again? And if not, today is the day of new birth. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you realizing today, Father, that we are in our humanity prone to try to fix things ourselves and we're try, we'll try to, to do it all on our own. And we'll grab a hold of a nature that's very independent and you're calling us, Lord, to lay down our lives and wholly and fully and completely depend on you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for not only dying for our sins, but giving us the promise of resurrection and the power to live in that resurrected life. Father, show us where we've lived in the shadows. Show us where we've stayed in darkness. Show us where we've created our own system. And would you this morning, by your spirit and by your power, dismantle those systems? Would you absolutely destroy them? And would you give us that shift to believe out of the truth of your word that we indeed must be born again? Would you renew us in our ways of thinking? Would you renew us in the ways we react emotionally to things? Would you deliver us from those places where we have grown dependent or addicted to things that we think because they make us feel good, will save us. Would you open our hearts to repent and to release all of those places and things so that we can fully serve you and find our rest in you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for our sins and did what no one else could do for us in order that we could be set free and we no longer have to question you or live in the shadows, but we can live in the marvelous light and that's what you call us to, is to come into the light and to live there. Would you help us, Lord, to be people of the light? And may the darkness never overcome it. In Jesus' name, amen.
reflect for a few moments and then leave quietly.